If you could please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. And I've entitled this passage as we read it this morning, The Good Father. And I want to talk about being a father. But I want to talk about our Heavenly Father. And um, we talk a lot about Jesus within our church because Jesus is our passion. And um, we speak also about the Holy Spirit because He is here with us. Jesus said, it is better for me to go. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not only be with you, but He'll also be inside of you. And so he is here with us today. So we speak about the Holy Spirit as being our friend, as being our comforter, the one who gives us courage, and the one that we can fellowship with. But oftentimes we speak about our Heavenly Father in the third person. We speak about him as someone who is more distant, and yet when Jesus speaks about his father, he'll oftentimes make statements like, he says, I don't do anything without talking to my father about it. Jesus oftentimes would say that if you know me, you know the father. And so we know that Jesus spoke about the father Virtually all the time. And so it is very important for you and I to understand that as Jesus washes us clean with his blood, when he puts his mantle of righteousness on us so that we don't have to trust in our own performance but on what he has done upon us, he does that so that we can know the Father. Without Jesus, we cannot know the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the, but through me. And so Jesus is central to us knowing the Father, but he wants us to know the Father and walk in constant fellowship with the Father. But Jesus also, in Matthew, taught us to pray. You know, and he says in Matthew chapter 6, from verse 9, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so when we talk about the Father, this is just an amazing platform for us to realize that the desire of Jesus is that we know our heavenly Father. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 also says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called 
the children of God. Now, the word here, bestow, I, there's another translation which says, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. That means the Father, all that is His, He gives to us in superabundance. That's the Father's heart for you and I. And so when we go to Luke chapter 15, it speaks about the younger son. It speaks about the older son. The younger son we've come to know as the prodigal son. The older son we've come to know as the son who was a bit of a Pharisee. Yet he was arrogant. Um, he was judgmental. He thought he had it all together when he saw the lifestyle of the younger son. And so we focus on those two personalities, but we don't always focus on the father within the story here. And I would like us to have a look at the father within the story here, the good father. A.W. Tozer, many years ago, proposed this statement. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when you think about God, what comes into your mind? What comes into your mind when you think about God? What is he like? Is he a good father to you? Which of his characteristics pop into your mind first? Faithfulness. Compassion, forgiveness. What are some of those characteristics that come into your mind? How do you think the Father feels about you today? How do you believe He acts towards you? Hopefully, within this passage of Scripture, we'll answer some of those questions today. Is it possible to be a beloved child of God and live as a slave within our mindset? Instead, we forget what Jesus said. I no longer call you servants, but friends. Is it also possible to live in the Father's house without really experiencing his heart for us. This morning, I would trust that the Holy Spirit would move us from a slave mindset to a son and a daughter mindset. Because when we get to know the father of the Bible, it's amazing how so many of our inhibitions are dealt with, and he frees us into a relationship of such joy with him. Right about the late 70s, early 80s, there was a renewal that came over the church, and a guy called Bob Mumford started speaking about the Father heart of God. And I heard some of his messages when he spoke about it, but what he and others did was they created a style of worship and a style of living whereby people again started to understand the heart of God for his children through Jesus Christ. 
And I think sometimes because we are given to extremes, we move to the one extreme and we don't give attention to the other. And I would really desire for us to understand the heart of our Father. Because if you and I as men this morning can understand the heart of God for us, it is amazing how that attitude spills over in the way that we parent our children, men. It is crucial for you and I to break through in our relationship with God so that we can step into the hearts of our children and parent them accordingly. Men, when we understand the heart of God, we will love our wives differently from the way that we love them. Because the heart of the Father transforms us. The problem is, and all of you know that, is that if we don't experience the heart of our Heavenly Father, oftentimes our obstacle is the way that our earthly fathers treated us. And we can't break through that barrier. And so this morning, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit would use this wonderful story just to free us in a wonderful relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so let's read the scripture together from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 and onward. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together, got together all he had, set out for a distant country, and they squandered his health, wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I have to starve to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Him. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful description of the father's heart? He was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Incredible. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Again, 
the father's heart for his son. For this son of mine was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Man, the Hebrews knew how to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf. Now, I think that fattened calf was prepared for the younger son. I think the older son knew it. And I think the older son had often said to his father, don't you think it's time to kill the fatted calf? The father probably had said to him, "Mm -mm. I'm waiting for your your younger son. (laughs) Incredible. The father's heart was for his older son. But it was also for this younger son. And so I think that fatted calf got fatter and fatter and fatter. I think that fatted calf said, man, I can't wait for the younger son to return. But the father's heart just really stands out here. So he came called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You know what? We can go through the motions, but the heart can be very far from God. We could attend church, but not really be the church. And we see this displayed within the sun here. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, look at the father's heart again. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. <laughs> Such a generous heart the father has. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother's of yours, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. My friend, this is the good father. We notice here within this passage, firstly, that a good father knows his children. When you look at the father here, he could have reacted in so many different ways when the younger son came to him. He could have firstly said to his younger son, you're the younger son. You have an older brother. He has priority. If anyone is going to get his inheritance, it's the older brother. So wait 
your turn. He could have responded that way. He could have also responded to his son and said to his son, well, you could leave. As a matter of fact, leave. But you're not getting the inheritance. That I'm going to give to your brother. He could have responded in that way. But instead, he didn't. He gave half of the inheritance to the younger brother, and he released him, and he let him go. How could he have done that? So many of us would have responded very differently in the story. But you see, he knew his son. He's been watching his son. Every day on the farm seemed more and more miserable when he looked at his son. And the relationship between him and his son was strained, to say the very least. Even though his son was close by, his heart was far from his father. The father knew that if his son would ever change his heart, he had to go. And then come back. My friends, this father knew his children. He knew the older son, but he also knew the younger son. One of the greatest gifts, fathers, that you can give to your children is to know them. And to know them, you have to be able to spend time with your children. You've got to observe the ups and the downs within their lives. Now, I know that so many of us travel. I know that so many of us are not at home. But my friends, when you are at home, back from your work, your first priority is not to climb on your bicycle to go and cycle somewhere. Your first priority is not to get into your car to go somewhere where you want to go and um, go and hike. Your first priority is to connect with your children. My friends, that is an inheritance that God gives you that will last a whole lot longer than your cycling word. <laughs> your children, one day, and this is the sad thing, but also the good thing, will act towards you when you're old in the way that you acted towards them when they were young. But we've got to trust that God would work with the hearts of our children and transform their hearts because at best we are not very, very good fathers. We need the mercy and the grace of God. But this is what I've learned in my parenting is that as I allow the heart of the Father to touch my heart, it influences me profoundly how I relate to my children. Those of you who are pregnant with children, there's a few within our church. I think there are three ladies that I know about. Men, start now to give your hearts to your heavenly Father in preparation for when this precious and beautiful little child comes. Because it is required of you to be a parent the moment when that child appears. 
We have no preparation for it. There is no manual for your children. You can read all of the books that are written. None will help you more than having a personal and intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because each child is so different. When Ryan was born, our 27-year-old, after a while, maybe the first two, three months, I asked Jenny, I said, Jen, is there a possibility that the doctors forgot the manual inside of you for Ryan? Because he was so unique. I was looking for a book that could tell me how we could parent this, this spirited young baby. There was no manual. They hadn't forgotten inside of Jenny. But my friends, throughout the years, as I've drawn nearer and nearer to the Father, I started to understand more clearly how, as a father, to parent my children. A good father knows his children. I'm so glad. And for those of you who are single parents, my heart goes out to you. Because I realize that being a good father is but a third of the job. <laughs> because the wife covers like two-thirds of parenting. But fathers, the third of the parenting that you do need to be on the front foot. It needs to be proactive. It needs to be deliberate, not reactive. Where we don't have a clear view of our Heavenly Father, our parenting will be reactive and we will hurt more than what we help. When we know our Heavenly Father, there is a grace that He puts within our hearts through the Lord Jesus Christ that enables us, even at our most vulnerable times, to love our children unconditionally like this good Father. A good father knows his children. Look at Luke, chap Luke chapter 15, verses 11 and 12. It says this. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. He knew his son. One of the great things that I was taught at a very, very young age was that the two sons God would give us would be very different from each other. The way our parent Ryan would be different in how our parent Chris. They're two very, very different individuals. Their needs are different. Their strengths are different. Their weaknesses are different. And as a father, it was incumbent upon myself to find out what those needs were. And in relationship with Jen, to know when to discipline Ryan and when to discipline Chris and how to do it. It was different for the two of them. I remember when my parents parented me. There are times when my dad would discipline me in one way, my mom would discipline me in another way, and they very, very soon found out that the best way to discipline me was to sit me down and to lecture me. 
That is like the worst form of punishment for me. It's the worst form of punishment. At school, when we were in school, where we did something wrong in those days, the teachers were allowed to spank us. And do you know what? When the whole class had to be disciplined, they said, who's first? Wallace would raise his hand. I'd say, I'm first. That didn't move me in any way. They would put your head under the table of, of the teacher like this. Had a big bat and you would get spanked. And if you came up, you hit your head again. So it's, it sounds medieval, it was. But that was a challenge for me. Give me that challenge. That didn't move me one bit. I could handle that. Pain wasn't the issue, physical pain. But what was the issue is when the teacher sat down with me, took him into his or her office and started talking to me. Man, that accomplished a whole lot more within my life. You see, we've, we've got to know our children. And when we know our children, we'll have breakthrough in the way that we parent them. That's why the Father treats every single one of us differently. The Father has a path for you to walk and for I to walk. And in that pathway, he is going to put us. The older brother, the father dealt with him in one way. The younger brother, the father knew that he'd go. You see, it wasn't the physical presence that mattered most to him. It was the younger son's heart. The father knew that when the son leaves, and when he came to his senses, that his heart would be changed. And I absolutely love this. I downloaded a book, Christo, the book that you told me about, The Intentional Father, written by. Don't worry, I forgot the name too. But it's a great book, and afterwards I will show you the book on my Kindle. You can get it on Kindle, The Intentional Father. The Intentional Father knows his children. Fathers, don't let life pass you by. Don't let time run away. One of the real passions for Jenny and ourselves as parents, and for me as a father, father at that time of, of, of quite a busy church, we had three services on a Sunday, we had a staff, quite a big staff, and I remember that I had to be intentional with Ryan and Chris. And fortunately, I did it, and, it, and unfortunately, I led the church, so it was my values that I instilled within the other pastors that were on my staff. And I had a principle with the, we got to the office um, at 8 o'clock, we had office devotions from 8 to 8.30, then I met with our pastoral team, and after that I met with the uh, administrative team, and then at 4 o'clock, our offices closed. And I said to the pastors, I said, if your children are coming home at four o'clock, you leave your computers at the office, you go home, and if there's a sporting activity, you go and watch them. If there's a ballet um, uh, 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 recital, you're there. And I remember 
one of my pastors, the one day he was in his office after four, and I had heard from his wife because she was on our staff too, that there was something going on within the children's lives. And when I walked past his office, he was still sitting there. And I walked into his office, I opened up the door, I said, you still here? He says, yes, I've got so much work. I said to him, when you came on to staff, I said, there's only one reason that I'd fire you. You know that. I said, what it is? He says, if I'm in my office when I need to be with my children. I said, absolutely. He closed his computer, put his books up, took his bag, and he went, and he, were, he went where he was. I said to him, your children will hate God, they'll hate the church, and they'll hate me if you're not where you need to be with them. Go home to be with your children. We were intentional about our parenting. Did we always do it right? No, most often we did it wrong. But when we're intentional about loving and parenting our children, years down the line, that seed that we sow will come about. Know your children. They're a wonderful inheritance that God gives us. The second thing that we see within this wonderful parable, and you know that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, is that a good father is also known by his children. Luke chapter 15 says this. When he came to his senses, this is the younger son, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth and against you. Do you see here? Don't you love that? I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The younger son, even though he was angry with his father and distant from his father, he knew what his father was all about. He knew his father. My friends, you and I oftentimes can't turn the hearts of our children towards ourselves. It's a two-way relationship. So many of you are guilty because your children are far from you. Only God can change hearts. You could pray into that. But what is critically important is that you're around enough so that your children can know who you are. Give them the opportunity to get to know you. Fathers, we're poor at that because we're very selfish. We feel entitled when we come home because we said we've worked hard. We feel that the world owes us, our wives owe us, our children owe us, and as a result, we create this distance between our children. And they don't know who we are. They don't know what we are about. One of the practices that I did with our sons, and that's when they were still in primary school, we were very fortunate. We lived about, I'd say, about 50 to 100 meters away from the beach in South Africa. And so at four o'clock in primary school, they would come home, and about at five o'clock in the summer, I would take 
our children to the beach across the road. Just me and my two sons. And we would go and we would do all kinds of things that fathers can do with their children. Some of my most memorable times was just being there with my children and just having so much fun with them. My children would then start to see what I'm about. Because when we're with our children, our heads down and we just have fun with them, our true hearts come through, don't they? And that's why it's so important for you to have real fun with your children. Put your head down. Just let it all show. Children are incredibly forgiving. Have you noticed that? They really are. You can allow your heart to be opened. Choose context where your heart is open to your children. And go and let your children know who you're about. Talk about the good aspects of your work. They're not equipped at that age to hear the other stuff. But my children heard about how good the church was to us. I say to people with my children growing up, my children can never say that the church hurt them. Because we mirrored something of the goodness of the Father through the church. But I spend time with them so that they can be known by me. When the child was far away, he remembered what his father was all about. When your children know what you're all about, my friends, even they, though they may choose to leave, they will choose to come back. It's an amazing thing. Even through our weaknesses, even through our sinfulness, even through the mistakes that we have made, they will come back if you are known by them. Every father has a reputation or a testimony by which they are known. Later on in life, my father and I became friends. When we were smaller, we weren't friends. Um, there, were, there was massive, massive gulf between us because my dad worked so hard. And so I never got to know my dad when he was younger. As I grew older, my dad and I started to have a friendship. And um, my father and I started to become friends. And I remember those times when we became friends much more than the times when we weren't. Isn't that wonderful? You see, that's the heart of a child. Give yourself to your children. Allow them to know you. The most beautiful thing is when we can actually sit down and get to know our fathers. They have a wealth of experience and knowledge to impart to us. What I've loved, what Jenny did with her mother the other day, well, during COVID, was that uh, Jenny had a little bit more time and she wrote a kind of like a little book on her mother by answering many questions that was given to her. And so she would spend hours on the phone with her mom and her mom would record her answers and Jen got to know her mother so well. Stuff she would never have known. My friends, allow your children 
to know you at this age. And then, thirdly, what we see here, a good father. And I don't know whether this is a real word or not, but I've made it up. A good father is reachable by his children. And I know I could have said approachable. I looked at all kinds of words. But, but you see, when the younger son left, when he got into a state where he was overcome by his sinful lifestyle, he needed to reach out to someone. Who did he reach out to? Who did he, who did he know would be waiting for him? It was his father. Luke chapter 15 verse 20 says this. So he got up and went to his father. You see, the first century thought that God the Father was very impersonal. It was very stoic. And, and, and that was the mood of the day. Jesus came and he changed that. It is exactly the same within our lifestyles. We would oftentimes feel that our fathers are so distant. But you know, when we're in the gospel, when Jesus has saved us, when we're a part of the family of God, that breaks. I so often observe you with your children. And um, one of the things that really warms my heart is to see how you parent. You parent your children very, very well. I want to encourage you. I see fathers who are away and mothers who are away, but you make a deliberate effort to be with your children. I think that's outstanding. That's amazing. Later on in life, you need to be able to have a testimony with your children that when they need you, they'll know where to find you. Now, children go through different stages. Daughters and sons too. I only have sons, so I can only speak about my sons. And they know where to find their father if they need him. Normally, it is finance-related. They talk to Jenny about everything else, but when it comes to finance, they know where to find their father. But I'm good with that. A good father is reachable by his children. Can your children reach you? Or are you too distant? Break down those barriers that create that distance between you and your children. Come on. Break down those barriers. If it is because of your father that you have those barriers towards your children, my friends, deal with it. I say, well, that sounds super spiritual. No, it's not. It is actually imperative. It is important that you deal with those things that's created the barrier between you and your father, because it is repeated with your children oftentimes. You've got to deal with it. And through Jesus Christ, we are able to deal with those things. I had to deal with some of the barriers that were up between my father and myself. When he became a Christian, it was so much easier, I know. But I had to deal with some of those barriers so that I do not repeat the same mistakes that my father made with me. You've got to do it. You've got to be intentional about it. A good father is reachable by his children. Let's just close here. I'd like you to stand as I share the story with you.
our heavenly father is a good father. He knows his children. He knows you. Our heavenly father is a good father because he is known by his children. He's also reachable. He is reachable through Jesus. If you can't reach your earthly father, my friends, if you draw near to Jesus today, he will help you to reach your heavenly father who is the father of all fathers. And even though if you can't make peace with your earthly father, when you make peace with your heavenly father, those barriers, those obstacles will become less and less, smaller and smaller. Eventually, there will be a non-issue through Jesus. If those barriers are there, oftentimes in relationship with your heavenly father, you will live as a slave, not as a son. John Wesley had a key spiritual experience on May 24th, 1738. He was fresh back from a disastrous trip to America where he intended to convert the Indians. But he realized during that journey that he was really without a personal life-sustaining faith. A Moravian friend convinced him in the doctrine of conversion but he knew he didn't have it. He decided to quit preaching until he did. His friend advised him, however, to preach faith until he has faith. Wesley wrote in his journal that he went very unwillingly to a meeting. Someone was reading from Martin Luther's preface to the book of Romans. At some point, Wesley found his heart strangely warm. And an assurance was given to him that he belonged to Christ. Methodist theologians have debated ever since about the nature of Wesley's experience. Was it a conversion, assurance, or the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Wesley himself described it in this way. He went from the faith of a slave to the faith of a son. I believe God wants to move some of you from the faith of a slave to the faith of a son. I would like to pray for us. Would you pray with us, please? Father, we come to you this morning. And yes, we call you Father because you are the good Father. And we ask through the Lord Jesus Christ that today that you would move the hearts of people here from a slave to a son or a daughter. Would you come by your Holy Spirit and outwork this word within all of our hearts. And as you parent us, for those of us who are parents, Lord, we ask that you would parent, that you would empower us to parent our children in similar ways. But Lord, move our hearts today as we come to you in Jesus' name.